there, KMO here with episode number nine of the KMO Show. On this episode of the podcast, which is prepared for release on Wednesday, April 26th, 2023, I'm going to share a conversation that I recorded just a few days ago with my old friend, Marty. Uh, Marty has a last name, but <laughs> we don't use it on podcasts because he's a... Uh, I can't say he's a normal person, <laughs> as you'll hear, but uh, he's not a public person in the way that I am. Anyway, Marty lives in Greensboro, North Carolina, and I used to live on the farm in Summertown, Tennessee, which is just a, like 90 minutes south of I-40, uh, just south of Nashville. And my kids were living in Maryland, and I rented a place. I had a one room in a big house on the Elk River in uh, Chesapeake City, Maryland, or nearby. And it was basically a two-day drive to get from the farm to the place, you know, my place in Maryland. And Marty's house was like at the halfway point of that drive. And so I stayed at Marty's house. Like I would drive, you know, to see my kids about every six weeks. So I stayed there many, many times. And then, you know, other times just passing through that part of the country, I'd stop in and say hi. And then in the summer of 2017, Marty's employer has a seasonal... Um, warehouse position. You know, it's a summer position and he invited me down to come stay at his place and just work there. And I did. <laughs> and we hung out quite a bit. And when I'm at Marty's house, we drink a lot of alcohol and take other things and we gorge ourselves on food and we watch lots and lots of media. And it's always, you know, what's known as genre media, sci-fi, horror, fantasy, you know, some animation, but mostly live action. We play video games, uh, sometimes tabletop, you know, board games. I don't recall doing any role playing with, with Marty, but uh, definitely tabletop games. And so we just have a, a grand old time. And I haven't seen him in years because, you know, I, I don't have that drive anymore. But when people talk to me about movies and TV shows, I'm much more focused on the behind-the-camera talent. You know, directors, writers, showrunners. Lots of people I know, they just don't have any concept whatsoever of a director. You know, they maybe they've heard of Steven Spielberg or, or James Cameron. But aside from that, they pay attention to stars. But stars don't write the scripts. Stars don't make the movies. You know, they just get up there and they act. And if they don't have a good script, there's not a lot they can do. If there's a good script, but, you know, the uh, the direction is not good or the editing is not good, well, the final product is not good. So, and, you know, also being a creative type person myself, I'm just really tuned into that sort of stuff. Much more so than most people, but not as much as Marty. <laughs> Marty really, really knows his movie trivia. And I won't even call it trivia, you know, because trivia means something that is not connected to a larger body of knowledge, you know, just random facts. Or trivia means not important. And I am personally of the opinion that, you know, the mainstream entertainment, like the mid-brow entertainment that is created for the masses is really, you know, it's going to be the lasting legacy of our culture. <laughs> and I'm, I'm rather irritated with so-called fine art in the late 20th and early 21st centuries. And um, I'm utterly, utterly contemptuous of anybody who dismisses commercial art you know, illustration or animation or, you know, directing live action or, you know, any of the practical entertainment generating 
crafts. These get dismissed as commercial art or as craft, but not fine art. Well, you know, if, if that's the case, fine art can go to hell. I'm not interested. I'm of the opinion that fine art exists mainly as a tool for money laundering these days. So I asked Marty to come and, and talk to me for the podcast because he and I used to do a podcast together. It was the Z Realm or Z Realm podcast. And it was largely following The Walking Dead, but we, you know, we reviewed all kinds of different zombie movies. And there's, I think, 124 episodes of that podcast. So if, you know, if you have fun listening to the, the coming conversation, there's a whole lot more of it <laughs> if you want to dig into it. And Marty has his own podcast that he's been doing for years called Flickers from the Cave with his friend Mike. And the visibility of that show has taken a jump in recent months, so he's got a larger audience than I do at this point. So I invited Marty to come and talk about The Last of Us, because, you know, while it's not zombies in the George Romero, you know, cannibal corpse, animated cannibal corpse sense, uh, it's pretty much a zombie apocalypse story. And I'd say TV show, but, you know, it started life as a video game or a computer game, which I haven't played. I've watched many... Uh, Many a video about it, but I've never actually played the game, and Marty hasn't played much of it. So we were both pretty much not exactly naive, but certainly not steeped in the lore coming into The Last of Us, the HBO adaptation of the video game. And because we've talked about so many different zombie TV shows and movies and stuff in the past, it just seemed like a natural justification to record a new conversation with Marty. But if you haven't seen The Last of Us, don't worry. <laughs> we we take so many detours and we jump around so much. We talk about so many different media properties in the coming conversation that you will surely have seen at least one or two of the things that we're going to be talking about. And if you have watched The Last of Us, and particularly if you are an aficionado of the game, uh, we're not going to get that deep into it. Really, we're going to be talking big picture stuff, and then we just zip around to pull examples from, you know, different pieces of media that we've enjoyed recently. So basically, I just like talking to Marty about media. And there's a number of people who have enjoyed those conversations over the years. Uh, if you are one of them, well, here's another. And if you are not, well, here's here's a taste. <laughs> I should mention, I think most of you know, but over this past winter, I worked at a ski resort in California, but it was barely in California, like right on the California-Nevada line, just north of Lake Tahoe. Uh, I would walk from where I was living in company housing down to the lakeshore. It takes a, like three or four minutes to walk from door to beach. And I shot many a YouTube video there on the beach in Kings Beach, Kings Beach, California. So we're going to make a few references to that, um, you know, to my time in California. All right. Well, I guess that's all I need to say in order to introduce this conversation with my friend Marty. So here we go. Hey, everybody. Well, technically, this is the KMO show. It is actually an echo of the Z-Realm podcast. And I have my Z-Realm co-host, Marty, here with me. Marty, it's good to see you and hear you. It is great to see you and to hear you. Um, yeah, it's been a while. Uh, we, we've stayed in touch, eh, I would say, limitedly uh, through different technical uh, uh, things. <laughs> but um, yeah, it's nice to reconnect. Indeed. Yeah, it's been, gosh, going on six years, I guess, since I lived yes. at your place for a summer. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Seems like yesterday. You worked your ass off that summer. 
Uh, you know, comparatively speaking, <laughs> compared to this past winter, that was that was a vacation at the warehouse. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. It was mostly the altitude yeah. and um, and the weather, you know, and yeah. the, just the physical conditions being there that made it hard. Okay. For several weeks, I mean, I was working at 8,000 feet, and uh, for several weeks, if I just, you know, when I bent over to lace up my boots, I would get lightheaded. Just the atmosphere. Yeah, just the yeah. low oxygen content in the air. Yeah, I've never, I've never been that elevated, so I, I don't know what that's like. I just hear people talk about it all the time. So, yeah, yeah, it's and you know, it's it's not funny. I was going to say it's funny. No, it's not funny. Uh, Lake Lake Tahoe, which is basically mm -hmm. where I was, I could walk to the the lake from you know just a couple minutes from where I was living. Uh, it's it's up in the mountains. It's very deep. It's very cold. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people drown in that lake because, you know, they fall in the water for whatever reason. Maybe they're paddle boarding, kayaking, whatever, or they're, they're swimming. And they don't realize how quickly they're going to get out of breath just because of the altitude. And then the cold water just drains the energy right out of you. Mm -hmm. And, uh, yeah, it's an easy place to lose one's life. An idyllic, beautiful scene in which to drown, but you know, <laughs> <laughs> death nonetheless. There's got to be some really morbid list of the best places to die, and that's probably right up at the top. Yeah, I bet. That, that haunted forest in Japan. Well, speaking of dying, lots yeah. of people die every time there's a, a zombie apocalypse, uh, a re, you know, revisioning of the zombie apocalypse. Mm -hmm. And HBO recently, you know, they gave us season one of The Last of Us. I never played the video game. Did you? I have played the intro level of the video game about four times. And it's heavy. So the intro to the video game is basically that opening episode of the show, which is very heavy. So every time I played through it, when I got to the end of it, it sort of was like, it hurts you. So it, it's not something that pulled me back for more. Um, but after having watched the show, I had every intention of buying the video game on PC because it just came out on PC. But apparently it's terribly buggy is what I keep hearing. Mm. So I'm holding off. So I will play it, but I haven't played it yet. Well, I, I never played it. So I, you know, I was every time I watch any episode of something now I do, you know, I go to YouTube and I'll watch a recap and analysis. Mm -hmm. And um, so I did that for every episode of The Last of Us. And of course, for every episode, you know, the, the people doing the reviews are talking about how the game is or the show differs from the game. But because one of the showrunners was the guy who originally wrote the story for the game, I, you know, right. No complaints. <laughs> if he wants to revise, if he wants a second bite of the apple, that's that's okay. And and they had so many awesome crossovers with characters playing the same characters they played in the show. And mm -hmm. the guy that did the voice for the main character on the video game came in later as a different character. Um, so, I mean, there was all this cool sort of um, uh, synchronistic sort of combinations of things just to keep it authentic. I mean, they had the original like giant books that they had put together about the, the, the monsters and the sort of different versions. So, I mean, they weren't starting from scratch. Well, I suspect that three quarters of the people listening to this conversation have either listened to an episode of the Z realm or certainly know who you are, but for those who don't, maybe you say a little bit about yourself, your, um, your background with media, how you came to love movies and video games. And, you know, how, how do you, how do you come to love these things? Of course you grew oh, up gosh. in the same culture I did, but yeah. And about at the same time you did. So, yeah, we, yeah. So, I mean, it's, it's, it all comes down to Star Wars, let's be honest. You know, yeah. you're a kid, you go see Star Wars at the right age, and then your life changes. 
um, you know, because suddenly you're interested in a thing a lot that's that you don't know anything about. So you're just hungry for more information. And Star Wars sort of led me into everything movie. Um, because, you know, you re- you start reading about Star Wars, you you realize that it's um, somewhat based on um, some Kurosawa movies. You're like, who's Kurosawa? So then you start looking into that and you're like, oh, wait, <laughs> this other thing. And these and you start learning about how all this stuff sort of feeds into and copies and changes and improves or modifies. And it's just all of a sudden this whole world is open up to you. So like at a very young age, you know, 77, I was 11. So, you know, at that age, I started to just completely get into movies and things. And um, that never really changed. So I, you know, I currently have a job where I do video production and stuff. That was um, a thing I've sort of fell backwards into, which was nice because that was always my dream to sort of, you know, shoot and edit and do special effects and things like that. And I'm able to do that now, which is great. But, um, uh, you know, you and I connected through an incredibly convoluted series of random events <laughs> and realized we had a lot of similar sort of uh, touchstones and um, that we could, um, that we enjoyed talking to each other. So, um, you know, then we just started. So it's, you know, but it's, it's cool that that has continued. Um, so like I said earlier, this is very nice to reconnect. Well, and I also regularly would drive from uh, basically Nashville, Tennessee to the uh, eastern shore of the Chesapeake Bay, and you live in Greensboro, North Carolina, which mm-hmm. was just about the halfway point in that journey. Right. So I, I've stayed at your place many, many times. Yes. 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 On all sorts of trips. Um, back when you know you were traveling, you know, for 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 just fun, you would stop in occasionally. I mean, your mom's been here. Your kids mm-hmm. have been here. So yeah. Yep. Olga's and been there. Mocha's been here many times. Oh, I said Olga, but yes, Mocha Olga, the cat Olga, also. I thought you yes. said Mocha, but yes. Yes, Olga's been here. Actually, I was. Uh, I thought Olga was going to be staying here last month, but her trip plans fell through. So. Yeah, all right. Um, but but yes, um, when I, uh, you know, when podcasting started and people were starting to listen to podcasts, I found your C-Rome podcast. And you know, the house I'm in now, I was painting the walls and installing lamps and you know, plumbing fixtures and things in this house so that I could, um, you know, get it ready to, to move into the whole time I'm listening to your podcast. <laughs> wow. Um, and because of podcasts like yours and, and, and others and things that I enjoyed, like the, we, uh, my friend Mike that I work with, we, um, we, we, you know, we were big podcast fans still are. And we said, let's just, let's do one. So we started our podcast called flickers from the cave where we talk about strange movies. Um, sometimes not as strange, but you know, sometimes an interesting pairing. And we've been doing that for 12, 12, 10, 12 years, a very long time. And then, you know, met you and you came on our C realm podcast once or twice. And then, um, you and I decided to start the C realm thing when we heard that the walking dead was coming to uh, AMC. <laughs> yeah. So, and then we did that for a while until I literally just lost the taste for the show and, and Me I've too. never gone back to it. Have you, have you? Nope. No, I, I didn't quit with this episode, but like so many other people, the episode where Negan killed Glenn mm-hmm. and Abraham and Abraham, but you know, and, and Glenn died in exactly the same way he did in the comics. It's not like they did us dirty, you know, it was, it was coming. Sure. Um, but yeah, something about that. And just the foreknowledge that Negan sticks around forever, you know, that he's not going to get his comeuppance for that. I just, I don't know. I I lost, 
as I say, as you say, lost my taste for the show. Never, never finished it. Don't know how it ended. Don't, I won't say I don't care, but I haven't cared enough to like watch sure. a recap or anything like that. And there's a new spinoff coming. You know, there was a spinoff. Um, it was a series. It was like a, a vignette show, just a series of little, like an anthology, you know, little one-off stories that take mm-hmm. place in that universe. And a few of them were free. They, I think they were pimping a, uh, a streaming service of some kind, but I don't remember yeah. which one. And, it, you know, they were pretty good. And there were some stars, you know, they had some interesting guest yeah. stars. Uh, but it wasn't enough to draw me back into that universe. Yeah, and I gave up on Fear the Walking Dead at about the same time. It, it was just all kind of a slog. Um, but this, um, the new thing has Lauren Coleman, I think, coming back as her Maggie character. Okay. As some sort of spin. I could not care less. I, I mean, there's better <laughs> zombie stuff out there. I'm, I'm going to focus on that. Well, like uh, The Last of Us. Actually, before we jump into The Last of Us, let me, let me ask you, have you seen Black Summer? No, never even heard of it. Oh my goodness. So there's two seasons of it. It's on Netflix. It is a zombie apocalypse story. Okay. And it is just straight up, you know, just there's no particular twist to it. It's just the zombie apocalypse. But, right. you know, it's it's brand new. There are no stars on the show. You don't know who's going to live and who's going to die. And just about everybody dies. <laughs> you know, so it's, it's a All really, right. really brutal show. It was... It was the exact opposite of The Walking Dead and that The Walking Dead, you know, they got to the point where there are several seasons in, they have an established cast, the characters are very popular, and nobody can die, really. You have to introduce side characters so that they can die, just so you've got some, you know, perceived threat in the show. But your main characters are all bulletproof at this point. And, you know, Black Summer was just the exact reverse. You didn't know anybody's name. You didn't know anything about them. You know, you you just see them fighting for their lives and most Mm -hmm. of them don't make it <laughs> i've never even heard of this it looks looks oh, good it's um, yeah it's really good it, one of the creators is a guy named john hyams who is uh peter hyams son and peter hyams directed like 2010 and um you know a bunch of things but uh, john hyams has actually done some really fun movies um that uh that we've we've done on the podcast like uh, peter hyams did um outland with sean connery oh wow okay so, nice like, i, I I'm pretty sure it's Peter Hines. But anyway, um, and this this has Jamie King in it, who I know, um, who's the uh, plays Rose on the show. So she's she's a, uh, somebody I recognize. But yeah, I'm watching it. It looks bananas, the little trailer that's running. So I'm, oh, I'm yeah. going to look away from that. So, I can <laughs> so one thing I saw recently was this Indian um, movie. It's a zombie-themed thing, and it's very funny. It's called Go Goa Gone. Um, I think I watched it on Tubi or something, but it's – it's sort of a zombie comedy, but it really works. So um, uh, these two guys who are sort of, they've reminded me very much of like uh, Harold and Kumar. Okay. So if you imagine <laughs> Harold and Kumar, they're just, you know, sort of dead end dudes. They have a friend who's really striving to climb the corporate ladder. And the two Harold and Kumar guys are like, we, we got to do something this weekend. One guy's broken up with his girlfriend. He's kind of feeling down. So, um, their friend who's the climber, he says, Hey, I've got, I'm going to Goa this weekend, which is the resort area. And he goes, it's going to be great. I'm going there for this corporate thing. And they go, Hey, well, we're coming along with you since you're driving. And then we're going to go there and meet some chicks basically is what they did. So they go there, they have no money, but while they're there, they meet a really gorgeous girl who says, Hey, I'm going to this Island across the Harbor where the Russian mob is having a big rave tonight. Nothing can go wrong there. 
turns out the Russian mob has invented this drug that they're using this thing as a cover for, and they give it to the people. The people then become ravenous zombies. So now you got all these goobers on this island trying to get off the island. And it is a hoot. It's funny. It's really good. Sounds good. So yeah, it's called Go Goa Gone. And um, very, very much worth your time. All right. Well, now to The Last of Us. Um, I have to say, the pilot episode, astounding. Like one of the best zombie movies I've seen. You know, one of the best depictions of the zombie apocalypse. Because one of the frustrations from... The Walking Dead was that the first season, the show wasn't, you know, it wasn't a sensation. It mm-hmm. wasn't a hit necessarily. They didn't have much money. Uh, so, you know, our main character, as in the comic book, wakes up several weeks after the zombie mm-hmm. apocalypse. So it's it's pretty much a done deal. And um, so we don't get to see it. And then they started the spinoff show, you know, Fear the Walking Dead in Los Angeles. And it's like, OK, now, right now we get to see it. And nope. <laughs> Still, you know, the characters are basically in hiding and peeking through the blinds and, you know, we're seeing just Mm -hmm. what they're seeing, which is not much. So it's really satisfying to see the zombie apocalypse unfold, like in all its glory, which I think, you know, if there's a a runner up or another competing candidate for the best depiction of the zombie apocalypse, I'm taking World War Z off the table. It was just a little too pulled out. The movie. Okay. Yeah. I mean, the the effects were mm-hmm. amazing, but it wasn't, I mean, zombies like flooding through cities like mm-hmm. water. It's like, eh, it's not the, it's not, that's not the George Romero zombie yeah. apocalypse that I've, you know, I have come to love. So I think the, the best depiction that we've seen of the actual zombie apocalypse was in Zack Snyder's remake of Dawn of the Dead. Yes. Yeah. That's a that's a genius update of a movie that shouldn't have worked, but it did perfectly. Um, and and that's beautiful because it starts small, and and then you slowly the view expands as the the main character is leaving her house and she sees her neighborhood going to pieces. Yeah, and the camera just is following her, and it just keeps getting further and further back, and you see more and more of the destruction and the chaos. It's just brilliant, and this does that as well. We start with Joel, our main character, and his daughter. And you see a lot of their life and how they live and what they're doing. You get to know the daughter, the neighbor, all this stuff. It sort of sets up the table. And then they just sort of collapse that little bit. (laughs) And then then you see the rest collapsing. But they did the brilliant stuff where it was showing different parts of the world and people investigating this stuff and talking about these changes that were coming and how they'd seen these things. And I don't know. I just thought it was brilliantly told. I loved, I think it was the pilot episode. It starts like in the 1960s on a yeah. talk show. And there's a scientist talking about how this cordyceps fungus, you know, it, it takes over the brains of, of ants and things. It could do it to humans if there's any little, like if if the climate started to mm-hmm. warm and the uh, the fungus had to, like right now it can't operate in humans because the heat of the human body mm-hmm. will kill it. But in a climate change scenario where the fungus is under constant pressure to adapt to higher temperatures, it might you know, it might mutate in such a way that it could take over humans. And that's the premise. But I love that they set it up decades in yeah. advance, you know, just on a talk show. <laughs> that was and, great. And, and as I understand it, that was unique to the show. That was not oh, from okay, the video okay. game. Yeah, I, having not played it, I'm not sure exactly how much. I mean, I've only read some stuff where they talk about things that were, you know, directly sort of copied some of the conversations and stuff. But it's just such a brilliant switch on the zombie sort of trope that we're all used to. So like the idea of these, this fungal sort of 
growth being the cause of it. It's just brilliant. There have been many attempts to sort of scientific scientificize mm -hmm. or rationalize the uh, you know how how could the dead returning to life and attacking the living how could that be squared scientifically and you know the thing I love about like the Romero films is that you can't right it's it's patently impossible this there's no need to explain it it's just we have. We have taboos about cannibalism. We have taboos about touching mm -hmm. dead bodies. You know, we have a uh, sort of free-floating fear of the collapse of civilization where all the people around us suddenly become competitors for precious resources. And the zombie apocalypse just, it brings all of that together very nicely. And I don't need any scientific justification no. for it. You know, just just give me the give me the it's danger. It's essentially an alien invasion, except without laser guns, you know, and UFOs. Right. So it's, it's uh, our world is being invaded by a force, an unstoppable force, a huge force. I mean, I think the perfect like version of all that stuff is probably like the um, uh, invasion of the body snatchers, because you're getting a little bit of zombie, you're getting a little bit of alien invasion yeah. and all of the paranoia. I like, I mean, to me, that's the, the, the original sort of, like epically sized version of that thing. Cause obviously night of the living dead, the original movie in the Romero series was just so small. It just in that small, you know, area around Pittsburgh. And then obviously he expanded in dawn of the dead, but it was, it's really, I think in the, in the middle there, you've got invasion of the body snatchers really showing you how to do that sort of mass hysteria thing really well. Well, and it's been remade yeah. so many times now. I mean, for me, the one with Kiefer Sutherland, or not Kiefer Sutherland, it's the, the dad, uh, Donald Sutherland. Right. That is the classic. And uh, Leonard Nimoy's oh, yeah. in that. No, that's a, that's absolutely, and Veronica <laughs> and, Cartwright is great in it. So, yeah, so yeah. many good people. And, you know, obviously that thing at the end with him screaming and pointing is just as iconic as it could be. Yeah, that that is as iconic, I think, as uh, Soylent Green as people, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, as a final image. Or, you you know, you blew it up, <laughs> you maniacs. <laughs> So I saw a video in which somebody was talking about apocalypse narratives in general, and the there's sort of a, a new version or a, a new prototype or archetype, which is the the green apocalypse. Okay. And they cited The Last of Us as a you know an example of the green apocalypse, where you get all of these these shots of cities in decay and you know nature reclaiming human made world but it's beautiful mm -hmm. and characters in the narrative stop and appreciate the beauty of it mm -hmm. and that's that's fairly new i mean the, the image of the devastated civilization is decades old but usually it's played for shock it's like yeah. here's this familiar thing and here it is you know laid waste isn't it horrible and now it's like hey once the humans stopped all their busy silliness uh nature takes over and it's peaceful and mm -hmm. green and nice to listen to and you know except for the zombies and you know, the people looking to kill you it's not it's not bad if there's um like 12 monkeys did that where you, you saw a future where the cities had been sort of retaken by nature. Um, mm -hmm. The, you know, the original planet of the apes. Um, no, not planet of the apes. I'm thinking Logan's run in Logan's run when they escape from the dome cities and get out into like Washington, there's all these images of like Washington sit, Washington DC sort of overgrown um, that gives you an idea that existed before. But I mean, honestly, like the, the my favorite stuff, my entire life, I actually just bought the commandy, uh, last boy on earth uh, collected works from Jack Kirby because Ooh. that was all post-apocalyptic stuff that I read at a young age and it totally influenced me. 
and it's full of those sort of images of like flooded cities and overgrown things and there's a there's a great uh, PlayStation and PC game called Horizon Forbidden we- or Horizon Zero Dawn, mm-hmm. and it is set in a future where robotic dinosaurs are roaming the world, and you are a, sort of like a um, like a, a tribal person, a, a female mm-hmm. character who goes and hunts these dinosaurs and harvests circuits and things off of them, and it's sort of this cool combination of sci-fi and fantasy and full-on post-apocalyptic. It's really great. I haven't played, but I've watched some lore videos. I mean, that's a game where they've really worked out, you know, why why are there robotic zombie or robotic dinosaurs? Yeah. And they have a, you know, that pretty detailed reason and a pretty it's detailed great. cybernetic ecology worked out. And they are doing a show based on it, too. It's kind of, Oh, cool. Yeah, I think it's <laughs> their show is based on everything. Do you, do you watch the Halo show? Uh, okay. So Kay had Paramount Plus and I went over there and watched the first episode and was like, this is pretty good. I'm probably going to watch more of this. And I finally got Paramount Plus, and I said, oh, I'm going to rewatch that first episode of the Halo show, and I have not gone back after watching it again because I did not think it was very good when I watched it the second time. <laughs> well, I watched the whole season, and it's not very good. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, it's not – I don't hate it because I never I, – I did play one Halo game. I played Reach, and okay. these characters are not in Reach. Reach takes place later on. You know, I wasn't attached to the characters. I wasn't attached to the story, but I, I did know that Master Chief doesn't take off his helmet. And in this one, he takes off his helmet in the first episode and rarely puts it back on. Kind of like Stallone is just Judge Dredd. Yeah, yeah, I was shocked. <laughs> now, speaking of something great, Judge Dredd, the Dredd movie, uh, that With Carl Urban. Yeah, yes, Absolutely. ready for more of that. I know there's a Mega City One series coming. Uh, there's a mega series one mega city one series that's been in development hell for years. I don't know that it's any closer to oh, okay, okay. actually shooting. It's like, there's so many people who say, look at this movie. This movie is great. We need a sequel. It has this, you know, very dedicated cult following. And then somebody else says, yeah, but look at the box office numbers for the original. Right. It just didn't do. I didn't see it in the theater. You didn't see it in the theater. No, I, mean, I the wish marketing I just sucked. Yeah. I wish everybody had. Yeah. It holds up so much. I bet I've seen that movie 10 times. If yeah. Not more. Yeah, me too. So. It's it's one of those that it doesn't ask anything of you, really. Like it, everything that needs doing, it provides. You know, you don't have to cut it slack in any dimension. No, it is a just a straight ahead story. It's the raid is what it is. It's just there's a building. We got to get to the top floor. Let's go. You know? <laughs> yeah, there's two of us and an uh, unlimited number of bad guys. Mm-hmm. Go. <laughs> yeah. Oh, so good. So good. I love it. Um, so, um, so yeah, so I, I like you, I watched that first episode and was blown away. And then mm-hmm. the show just kept impressing me. It never really took its foot off the gas. I, I didn't think there was a, a slow episode. There were some things throughout that sort of, that I'd never seen before. And there, there were, there was one episode in particular that we can talk about or not. That was one of the hardest, most brutal things I might've ever seen on a show that wasn't exploitational like in the walking dead is it the third episode no it was later when um oh when um ellie is um held by that that governor that or the mayor of that little town the religious guy okay i was in a knot through that entire thing (laughs) oh yeah it was heavy 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 so i don't know just beautiful stuff um and i have to say it is great to have a show where pedro pascal can deliver well-written lines and be encouraged by the director to act well, because I am of the opinion that 
what he was asked to say in the Mandalorian was a big pile of crap. Ah, not a big fan of that show. Uh, did you watch season three? I did. And what'd you think? I would say I didn't so much watch it as I got through it. I see. <laughs> there were there were moments that I really liked. I've described it constantly as a mixed bag. I think there are definitely things in it that are worth seeing, but I think it overall is just, I think they've lost their way. You know, the whole thing is, this is the way, and I don't believe anybody who's producing that show understands what the way is anymore. Well, I'm sure Dave Filoni does, but, you know, the... <sighs> Yeah, the, the Mandalorian definitely started out as a Western, and it was definitely small scale. Mm -hmm. You know, it's this one guy, and he's he's messing with these uh, Imperial remnants who seem scattered and small. And it's just, it's a very small stakes story, which is easily relatable. Mm -hmm. And in the second and third seasons, they started to bring in these much larger story arcs from the animated shows, you know, mm -hmm. from Star Wars The Clone Wars and Star Wars Rebels. And so we, you know, there, now that's all just a build up to the return of Grand Admiral Thrawn, which I'm excited about. I'm not going to lie. Yeah. But, you know, that's that's going to be great for the Ahsoka series, because the Ahsoka right. series is definitely going to be a continuation of you know where we left off in Star Wars Rebels. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and Thrawn was a big character in that show. And the, the final episode of that show, the main character, Ezra Bridger was this young, you know, would-be Jedi Padawan, strong with the Force, but there is no Jedi tradition anymore. You know, mm -hmm. his his teacher is uh, a guy who never got past the Padawan stage. And uh, he, Ezra and Grand Admiral Thrawn, end up basically, you know, jumping away at super light speed, you know, via the help of these creatures, which we've kind of seen in The Mandalorian, just like in when they're in hyperspace. Okay. We, we see these big tentacled whale type things yeah. sort of surfing along. Yeah. So one of those things okay. uh, pulled the Star Destroyer with, with Thrawn and Ezra Bridger off into this unknown sort of freaky part of the, the galaxy, which I think is where most of Ahsoka is going to take place, at least okay. the first season. So anyway, there's these big, big story arcs that didn't start in The Mandalorian, but have sort of entered into the Mandalorian in order to set up these other shows. Right. And yeah, it totally comes at the, the, the cost of the dynamic that you had in the first season of just this one guy with his small world. He didn't understand the larger universe and what was going on. Mm -hmm. And, in, you know, he took a job that ended, it's kind of like, it's very much, I mean, the similarities with the, uh, the last of us are, are many, but yeah, he takes a job, which puts him in, in contact with this kid who at first is just cargo. And then he, you know, grows attached and then he's, you know, he's re renouncing his former self and his former lifestyle in order to invest everything in protecting this kid. Right. Which takes us back to The Last of Us. I mean, yes. we're not required to, you know, to spend the most of our time on that show, but it is, you know, it's the excuse that I use to lure you in. So. <laughs> Um, I agree. I would like to get back to Star Wars later, but yeah, I, 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 there's a couple things I'd love to hear your opinion on, but we can even do that after we stop recording if we want. Oh, um, well, if it's media related, you can do it right here. Well, uh, I, I loved Andor. Oh, my gosh. Andor oh my was gosh. perfect. Yeah. Andor was a grown-up, perfect show that really dealt with things well. And I was happy to see um, um, the, uh, the the ruler. What's her name? Um, Mon Mothma? Mon Mothma. I was happy to mm -hmm. see her in the Ahsoka trailer. So I'm happy she's coming back because I love that actor and I love that character. I think that's great. Um, I... 
enjoyed the first half of Boba Fett. Thought it was really interesting. I loved all the stuff with him, with the sand people and like learning about their sort of culture. I thought that was really great. And then I just thought it was terrible for the second half. And I didn't think there was, there was maybe five minutes that I enjoyed out of Obi-Wan. But I thought it was absolutely terrible and dumb. Oh, Obi-Wan was absolutely terrible and dumb, as, as you say. And the best parts of it were just stolen from other, like they were stolen from Star Wars Rebels, you know, oh, the yeah. animated series. Like uh, there's there's a fight between Ahsoka Tano and Darth Vader where she hits him in the head and cuts off half his mask. And you can see Anakin's face oh. on one side and yeah. Darth Vader's face. It's They just lifted that entirely wow. from Star Wars Rebels. Yeah, I, the, <laughs> the part where Vader destroys that starship just pulls it apart on the launch pad mm-hmm. i was like this is so awesome like this dude is so powerful and i love seeing this and then when when he's chasing down obi-wan on tatooine i think he's like they start a little fire and he goes oh well i'll catch you later obi-wan and he just leaves yeah. and i was like dude, yeah just jump over it or put it out <laughs> with your force powers or something. Like I you mean, just did. <laughs> like, come on. I, I don't yeah. know. I, I gave up no, on that it was one. Terrible. Early, that so. was a terrible show. Ah, but um, yeah. So that's all my Star Wars. I, I, just, I could sit here and, and gush about Andor for the rest of our time together. I won't. So good. So good. <laughs> yes. I just think it was perfect. But, uh, you know, that's Dan Gilroy. That's the guy that did like. Um, it's the, Tony Gilroy. Tony Gilroy, who did like. Yeah. Um, I mean, he's written so many things, he and his brother. I mean, they... I, I think probably best known for The Born Identity. Yes. And, and other movies in that series. But also Bo Willimon, who was the major author of um, uh, The House of Cards. Okay. The first couple seasons of which was amazing. Okay. He wrote several episodes okay. in the first season of Andor, uh, particularly in the um, you know the prison sequence, just, which was so good. That should not yeah. have worked for them to be in prison for so long, but it was great. And Andy Circus was amazing, and the just the setup of that thing was great. And then when you find out what they're building at the end, was so great. <laughs> like that's that's the kind of fan service that's cool. Instead of having some robot make some funny line, it's like this is. This is adult filmmaking. This is adult content creation. This is, and I just keep telling myself, when you watch Mandalorian season four, I understand this is a kid's movie, this kid's show. Just enjoy it at that level because that's, I think, what they're shooting for. I'm not even sure there's going to be a Mandalorian season four. Okay. Um, Pedro Pascal is, you know, he's pretty ambivalent about it. Okay. And they've got so many other shows in the works, you know, to keep their their talent occupied. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, it really seemed to wrap up pretty well. I mean, they, they set up his future activity, which will be, you know, being a bounty hunter for the new Republic basically, but that can be, that can happen from time to time as a cameo in other shows. That's a good point. And it wouldn't even have to be Pedro Pascal. It could just be somebody doing an impersonation of him since he's always, he he could phone in the voice performance. I mean, literally phone it. Literally. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It was cool to see like um, Katie Sackhoff show up, and I thought she was mm-hmm. mostly very good as Bo Katan. And she's been playing that character for years. Oh, really? She, yeah, she was the voice of Bo Katan in both Star Wars, oh, I didn't Clone know that. Wars, and Star Wars Rebels. Yeah, she's okay. a long-standing character okay. in like the Dave Filoni Star Wars universe. Well, it was very funny. I was watching The Mandalorian, and they were talking about the 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 dark times on Mandalore, and I was like what happened to Mandalore? So I, I like Googled it and like read a bunch of the history of what happened <laughs> there and about the purging and 
all that. And it got into all the specifics and it was really cool. I was like, Oh, this show is actually following along with all this history that's been sort of created. And, and I, that actually impressed me very much. So, you know, when Disney bought star Wars from George Lucas, mm-hmm. they decanonized all the extended universe, all the novels, comic books, video games, all that became legends, which is to say just other star Wars stuff that isn't really part of the, the main continuity. Mm-hmm. And so with the, the animated series that Dave Filoni was the executive producer of, he was picking from all of the best of the extended universe and re-canonizing it, bringing it back. And most notably, you know, Admiral Thrawn. Thrawn, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Because Timothy Zahn created him, right, for the... His yes, book for his yeah. novels, yeah. Yeah. Heir, heir to the Empire, right? Which, which I haven't read, but you know, I, I understand references to it. Yeah, I've I've read those are the probably. I mean, I read Splinter of a Mind's Eye, but when it came out when I was a kid, because I just had to have more Star Wars. But um, other than that, the only other extended sort of universe stuff I've read are the Thrawn novels, and they're great. I've read a few comics that take place after um, Return of the Jedi, mm-hmm. which all of that. Is is forever gone because you know unless unless they decide to just go ahead and say you know what the sequel trilogy uh, we're that doesn't count that was practice <laughs> I, I have actually heard that that was a push that somebody uh, came up with yeah yeah but uh, the Dave Filoni shows you know including the Mandalorian they're all setting up the 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 First Order and yeah. the Return of the Emperor I mean they're just they're su- they're still supporting it. The, the power struggle at Disney is ongoing. We shouldn't talk about it. I don't yeah. want to get the sidetracked on that. <laughs> so, so let's do talk about like, I mean, how spoilery do we want to get with The Last of Us? You know what? If you haven't seen it, why are you watching or listening to a podcast about it? Yeah. Everything's on the table. So um, I watched every episode without reading anything about what the episode would be. So every episode mm-hmm. just sort of hit me clean. Yeah. Um, the episode with... Um, with the two gay guys um, mm-hmm. that was just one of the most incredible episodes of television I've ever seen. And the way they handled that relationship, the way they handled that version of shit going South, excuse me, of stuff going South. That's <laughs> oh, fine. Okay. Um, but like all that stuff with, um, with him going to the, to the hardware store and getting all the supplies and building all of mm-hmm. the stuff already being a prepper and stuff. But like, like really getting serious about it and just being chill. That was awesome. And then all the reveals of the character and who they are and what they are. The, I just thought it was like a landmark episode. Yeah. My only criticism of it is that it, it was the third episode Mm -hmm. and I thought it was too early to take an episode length break from the main characters. Yeah. We hadn't really established the whole Joel and Ellie dynamic yet. Um, but yeah, it's, it's a standalone episode as I think you, you described it as such. You, you can watch that without having watched the first two episodes and with no intention of watching anything after it. And it, it is a full, it is a complete story. Don't they, at the end though, Ellie and Joel get there and that's when Ellie gets her pistol. It's not at the end. It's the beginning of the fourth episode. I think they oh, show okay, up okay. there. I thought it was in that same episode. Okay. Yeah. They, they okay. find the, uh, the characters dead and right. yeah, there's. There's the note. And who was the prepper? Was that Frank? That was Frank. Who was who was the other guy? Um, I, I know the actor is the guy that played the um, the head guy at the hotel in the first season of White Lotus, but I don't know the character's name. Oh, that's right. <laughs> I, I have not watched the second or second season of White Lotus, hey, but I so did good. really enjoy that first episode, that first season. 
Yeah. So, gosh. Um, but we got to have their names, though. Let's take a, a quick break, and I will look that up. Let's see. Frank and... Bill. Oh, yep, there it is. Frank and Bill, The Last of Us. I hope okay. my brain was like, get there quick. So. <laughs> yeah. So, we, yeah, we have these two characters. Uh, before we get to that third episode, though, I want to say uh, I was really, really happy to see Anna Torv playing Joel's partner and girlfriend in the first two episodes. Yes. She was Olivia, Olivia Dunham on right. Fringe. Right. And I really enjoyed Fringe. I never saw the final season, but, you know, I'm kind of okay. I was like, I've never yeah. seen the final season of Lost and I don't need to, <laughs> you know. I'm I'm happy to watch like seven seasons of an eight eight season show and then not see the end because right. the end never really lives up. Although, Better Call Saul season six just dropped to Netflix and I'm I'm going to watch all of it. Still <laughs> never sure. still never done that one. So, oh really? Yeah. Oh goodness. Uh, yeah, Breaking Bad is sort of like the uh, TV show version of The Last of Us video game. I've started it many times and I've never finished it. Uh, you, well, I'll say that you can totally watch Better Call Saul without having seen Breaking Bad. Yeah, that's what I hear. But it's it's chock full of Easter eggs. Yeah. And I was I was just in Albuquerque, New Mexico, and my friend uh, drove me by the house where, um, well, if you're not watching the show, you won't know. But you know Saul Goodman. Yeah. The main character, his name's real name. I mean, the character's real name is Jimmy McGill, and his brother, who is a famous, you know, uh, respectable lawyer. A yeah. lot of the show takes place at the brother's house okay. and we drove, we drove by the brother's house. Oh, that's <laughs> it's, very cool. It's just right there. Yeah. And lots of, you know, lots of little locations that will be familiar to anybody who's watched the mm -hmm. show that, you know, like just this little sort of hole in the wall burger joint, you know, with some tables outside. It looks really, you know, really seedy, <laughs> really run down <laughs> and haven't been on TV. Hasn't changed it. It still looks that way. That is wild. That's what people are coming there for. They want that. Yeah. All right, The Last of Us. Yeah. We are going to talk about it. <laughs> so, so how did we get on to that? Oh, well, we, I, were, we talking... were talking about Bill being played by the guy from La from White Lotus, I think. Yes, when we got yes. Distracted, so, sorry. Okay. I can, I can say a lot about White Lotus, but it, there's nothing fantastical about it. There's no zombies. There's no aliens. There's no AI. I mean, it's just bad people <laughs> now speaking of ai have you seen the trailers for mrs davis i have not do you are you aware of it i'm not okay it's on peacock and um it stars uh, an actor named betty gilpin who was in the show glow okay she was liberty bell on that mm -hmm. um and in this show she is a nun and she lives in a, a near future world where an ai has taken away everybody's worry concerns needs fears and um hassles she's <laughs> not a big fan of this ai everybody calls the ai mrs davis ah. and it wants to speak to her but she does not want to speak to it she finally and this is, it's in the trailer but the uh, the what they finally do is they kind of force her to speak to mrs davis through a uh, intermediary and she is tasked by the AI with finding the Holy Grail. <laughs> and it is wacky. It is um, violent. It is full of swears. Um, it's uh, uh, Damon Lindelof is one of the co-creators. 
and it's very much got his sort That's of stance all over. <laughs> well, I mean, I loved Westworld, and I liked his uh, HBO version of Watchmen. I thought it was brilliant. So I did not watch it because David, Damon Lindelof was associated with it. It's so good. It's so good. Um, but anyway, um, I'm I'm uh, it, we've watched the first episode and it's it's very good. So that's an AI focused sci-fi weird comedy. That, and uh, is it dropping weekly? I don't know. I think there's two or three out maybe initially, and it, it might oh. all be out. I'm not really. It, we were we sort of uh, committed to watching it once a week, so I haven't really looked. I like I like what they did with Andor, where they said, "Okay, here's here's three episodes because we know the first one's a little slow. So right. here's three, and right. then we're going to dole them out one a week. I think that's a good formula." Yeah, it was so good, was so <laughs> good, so satisfying, and just so different from everything else, and and really anything else on TV, not just the Star Wars content, but really anything else. Just brilliant intrigue, and it was all political and stuff. It was just great. Yeah. Uh, it was it was very adult, not in the you know sexually explicit sense, but in right. the this is not for kids. Kids are going to get bored with this. Mm -hmm. This is for adults. This is for people who understand the you know the the bigger picture. <laughs> that thing where his mom on that planet was like they had that uh, hologram of her up over the crowd, like getting everybody riled up to go fight mm -hmm. against the Empire. It was phenomenal. Yeah. That, oh, so that, many, so many speeches in that, <laughs> but so many great speeches. It was, it sort yeah. of reminded me of like, you know, the kind of old timey stuff where like, you've got like people writing things that are better than any human would ever actually say probably. Um, right. But that's why I'm there to hear the better version. So, <laughs> it's yeah. like watching Star Trek, the next generation and John Luke Picard's moral speeches. <laughs> Speaking of Star Trek, have you watched Lower Decks? I love Lower Decks. I didn't think I would, and it took me a few episodes to warm up to it, but I really like it. It's awesome. Yeah. Uh, for those who haven't seen it, I'll say, you know, it's it's Star Trek. It's set, uh, you know, basically uh, in the next generation period or mm -hmm. shortly thereafter. It's uh, Mike McMahon is the showrunner, and he was a writer for Rick and Morty. And it's it's kind of got a Rick and Morty sensibility. And the first few episodes I thought were a little too much. Hey, let's let's cross Rick and Morty with with Star Trek. Mm -hmm. But after like the second half of the first season and all of the second season, it just gels. It is its own thing. It doesn't need to be compared to anything else. And yeah, I really like it. It does so many great references to even the original series and all the other sort of spinoffs. Characters from the, all the various shows show up. Mm -hmm. um, but like when they go into a bar and they find Kirk and Spock's initials scratched into the <laughs> bar, it's just like, that's, that's cool fan service stuff. I liked that a lot. I thought it was very smart, a lot of weird characters and some really great um, story arcs, just really good stuff. The guy with the um, visor, who's sort of a cyborg, mm -hmm. his background, Rutherford. yeah, as you learn more about him, that's some fascinating stuff. I, I just thought it was great. I, I, I'm a big fan of the animation style too. Yeah. I mean, not, it's, it's probably, you know, 3d CGI, like everything else with an overlay to make it look 2d, mm -hmm. but it looks like 2d, you know, cell animation. And yeah. I, I just, you know, I eat it up. <laughs> I can't yeah. wait. I will, I will I resubscribe. Yeah. I will resubscribe to Paramount plus for uh strange new worlds. Mm -hmm. Whenever it comes, I think that comes out in June. So okay. I'm, I'll only take a couple months off, I guess. Just, <laughs> I'll just take May off. 
I am that guy, though. As soon as the show I'm watching is complete, I unsubscribe from the service. Wow. I always I... Um, subscribe for a year. So when they offer up these oh. really cheap deals, so like I got Paramount Plus for a year for like 50 bucks. So I was like, yeah, I'll do that. And then I don't have to I, worry about it. I just dumped HBO because The Last of Us had ended. Mm-hmm. Um, did you see season or Station Eleven? Kay watched a little bit of it and told me about it, but I I never watched any of it. It's very good. Okay. It's my brother. He has come to collect implements of destruction to go work on a neighbor's yard. Yeah. Yeah. How long do you think you're going to be out there? I don't know. I mean, until the day that I decided, you know what? I want this dog. I was thinking (laughs) this is a temporary way station, but uh, the dog makes it semi-permanent. Yeah, yeah. So we'll see. It could be there are worse things. Mm-hmm. Well, the the gig in California was nice, and I was going to go back and do it again next year. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, the dog complicates things. That damn dog. And, and she's a big dog. <laughs> right now, she's a medium sized dog, but she's only a puppy. Yeah. What are, right. what are you driving these days? All right, that was my friend Marty, and while it may have sounded like we had drifted away from the topic of media and we're talking about just personal stuff, like, you know, what are you driving these days? It's not the case. There's still, that we're really right at about the halfway point of this conversation. The rest of it will be on Sea Realm Vault podcast, episode number 455, which I intend to publish tomorrow. If you don't know what I'm talking about, the Sea Realm Vault podcast is a paywalled podcast that I do. And the only way for new subscribers to come on is through Patreon. My Patreon account is patreon.com slash KMO. And I post lots of stuff to Patreon. Most of it is not paywalled. You don't have to be a supporter. You know, you don't have to be a patron to find material that I'm posting on Patreon. So do check it out. And if you wanted to join at the $1 a month level, I wouldn't complain. <laughs> I mean, I wouldn't complain if you were to join at the $7 a month level, which gets you access to the Serum Vault podcast. But every little bit helps, as they say. And I'm not going to go on at great length here at the end of the podcast. Um, I am just going to mention the curious phenomenon <laughs> of the sorts of TV shows that I watch. For every every show that I watch, every episode that I watch... There are multiple YouTubers who are doing very, very in-depth analysis and, you know, recaps of the show. So I'll watch an episode of, say, The Mandalorian, and then I'll go to YouTube and I'll watch a couple different videos from different YouTubers who are also following that show, talking to other people about it, reading a lot, you know, reading about it. And, you know, sometimes I'll watch a show late at night, you know, maybe... (laughs) I've done something to impair my memory. And when I go back and I watch the recap and analysis videos, I'm I'm basically cementing in my head what I had seen before. Now, this lends itself to different types of storytelling, which weren't really prominent back in the 20th century when I was, you know, started watching TV and movies and stuff. If you're watching recap videos... And if you know that there are online resources so that you can refresh your memory, you can have very large casts. You can have very complex story narratives. uh, You can have branching stories and you can have, and this happens in science fiction a lot, uh, multiple instantiations of a single character. 
I think the the ultimate example of this is was probably Battlestar Galactica, actually, you know, because there were multiple copies of every Cylon character. But when I think about it, what I think about, you know, when I think about this phenomenon of multiple instantiations of the same character, I, I go back to Farscape. Farscape, if you've never seen it, uh, if you like Guardians of the Galaxy, Guardians of the Galaxy really, really ripped off Farscape. I mean, the tone, the setting, the composition of the cast, it's its all just, you know, warmed over Farscape. And Farscape was this sci-fi show from right around the turn of the century, filmed entirely in Australia. So while the, the main character is an American astronaut, played by Ben Browder, all of the supporting cast are Australian and all of the aliens that they encounter in their, their weekly adventures all have Australian accents. So it's it's charming in that regard. It's also a Jim Henson production company show. So they bring all of the, uh, the puppeteering, puppet building and puppet operating talents to this show to bring to life various characters who today would just be CGI characters. But back then, they were puppets. And because they were puppets or... A puppet is probably a bad term. It brings to mind a very specific image of like, you know, Kermit the Frog or something. But these were very complex characters, you know, full size, fully realized three, not 3D in the sense of, you know, appearing 3D, but really being three dimensional objects. And the difference between a character that's really there, a non-human character that's really there with the actor in frame, on camera, on set, such that the characters can touch this thing, they can interact with it, they can see it. You know, first of all, they're not just imagining what's there. They're not looking at a tennis ball on a stick. They're looking at the actual entity. It really made for a special sort of TV. Uh, I, I just can't recommend Farscape highly enough. But I, I bring all this up because in Farscape, you had duplicates of different characters, and then you had mental clones of some characters in the heads of other characters and some of those characters themselves would be duplicated and so the mental clone would be duplicated and you had just many instantiations of different characters to keep track of and that was really before the internet was the before it played the role that it does now in helping people keep track of complicated stories and also helping people uh, basically pull all the relevant details out of a given story because I don't know how many different, you know, narratives I'm following, how many very complex narratives with large casts. I mean, if it weren't for YouTube and if it weren't for like wikis and, and blogs and things, I couldn't possibly keep up with all the stories that I do. So, you know, maybe that's a bad use of my brain <laughs> being so occupied with uh, pop culture entertainment. If that's your position, well... You know, if you were here face to face, I would probably smile and change the subject. But um, I'm really not very positively disposed to the highbrow pretensions and despising people for appreciating forms of entertainment which are popular and which have wide appeal. I'm all about the wide appeal, even though the media that I make is very fringe, very niche, very specific and, and also very esoteric, which is why for me, it's nice to take a break you know, from the serious stuff from time to time and just have a fun chat with my old friend talking about movies and TV shows that we've seen recently and really enjoyed. All right, I think that's probably a good place to lay down a call to action. What are you watching? Let me know. <laughs> All right, so leave a comment. Let me know what you're watching. 
most of the comments, most of the feedback I get uh, are from the YouTube versions of these podcasts. Um, if that's where you want to post, that's cool. I'll see it. All right. Well, that's all for this episode. Thank you very much for listening. There is more of it for those who are subscribed to the Seabrom Vault podcast. And uh, for those of you who aren't, well, come back here one week from today. I'll have another free episode for you. All right. I'm out. Stay well. <laughs>